Well, we're in week number three of a series that we started, obviously, a couple weeks ago called Choices. Everybody say Choices. And what we have learned so far in this series is that, number one, every choice puts us on a path. The choices that we make, they're more than just choices. They, they're the beginning of a path. They put us on a path. So number one, we've learned that every choice puts us on a path. The second thing that we've learned is that every path has a destination. Every path. Matter of fact, let's just say that. I want to make sure you know that. Say every path, every path. has a destination. It doesn't matter what path you're on this morning. That path is going to take you somewhere. And, and there's, there's no way around. There's no way that you're going to end up somewhere different than where that path takes you. If you're going down that path, that path has a destination. You end up where you end up because of the path that you choose to get on. I'm going to say that again because there are a lot of people this morning, you might thought, how did I end up here? I'm not talking about church this morning. I'm talking about where you are in life today. You end up where you end up because of the path that you choose to get on. Now, I do know there are some exceptions, some extreme exceptions, where sometimes things happen that are beyond your control and you can't help some things. I understand that, but I'm talking to the majority this morning that we end up where we end up because of the path that we choose to get on. In fact, it's called the principle of the path. We learned it in week number one. We're going to put it on the screen and re be reminded of it this morning. It's this, that direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. It's, it, it's not your intentions, regardless of intentions, regardless, regardless of your planning, regardless of even the prayers that you're praying, it is the direction that you move that will determine where you end up. You can, you can plan, you can prepare, you can pray for God to lead you and guide you, but I'm here to tell you, if you get on the wrong path, you're not going to end up where you want to end up. Because, once again, it's direction, not intention, that determines destination. Wherever you want to be in life, here's the good news, whatever that it may be, wherever you want to be in life, there's a path that will lead you there. And wherever you don't want to be in life, there's a path that will lead there as well. And you have to avoid it. You have to stay off of it. This, this leads this morning into what I want to talk about today, which is this. I want you to look very carefully at this. Everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere, right? But few people, everybody say few people, few people end up somewhere on purpose. Each of us this morning is on a path that is leading us somewhere. The question is, is that somewhere where you want to be? Every path that you're on this morning, and, and don't say, well, I'm not on a path. You're on a path. Every one of us is on a path, and that path is going to lead you somewhere. Everybody say somewhere. But the question then becomes, is, is that somewhere, somewhere you want to be? Because every path has a destination. Everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Some of you will end up in a place exactly where you wanted to be. And some of you are in a place right now exactly where you plan to go. Others of you, maybe in this room or those that will watch this online later, are going to end up in a place that you didn't want to be. Maybe some of you are at a place right now that, that you didn't want to be. But 
You don't, that didn't happen accidentally. You don't just get somewhere accidentally. You get somewhere because of the path that you chose. Once again, everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. And this morning, what I want to tell you as your pastor is that if you don't seek out and search for the path that God has for you in this life, then you will be one of those who end up somewhere that you didn't want to be. And no one wants to end up somewhere they didn't want to be. We all want to end up somewhere on purpose. Now, don't raise your hand to this, these questions I'm about to ask, especially the first question that I ask. Okay, if you want to raise your hand to the rest of them, you can. But, but how many this morning would say that you want a better marriage? How many this morning would say that you want to be more successful in business? How many would say this morning that you want to make better grades in school next year? Or you want to make better grades in, in college next semester? How many this morning would, would say, I want to be out of debt? How many would say, I want to be closer to God? All of these things that I just mentioned, there is a path that leads to each of those. But you don't get there accidentally. Please hear me this morning. These things that we desire, these places that we hope to be one day, we don't, we don't get there by accident. We don't accidentally fall into a good marriage. But we don't accidentally become financially successful. We don't accidentally draw closer to God. There are paths that will lead us to each of those things, and we have to get on those paths, and we have to move in that direction. Once again, everyone ends up somewhere... But few people end up somewhere on purpose. I want to be someone who ends up somewhere on purpose. How about you? I want to end up somewhere on purpose. So, so then, with that in mind, here becomes this, this question. And that question is this. Where is the somewhere that you want to end up? Don't answer it out loud, but I want you to consider that in your, in your brain this morning. Where, just think about that. Where is the somewhere that you want to end up? I'm going to just pause right there for just a moment. Give you, give you some time to think. Where is the somewhere that you want to end up? Because wherever that somewhere is, you have to constantly be aware of it. It has to, it has to be etched in your mind. Where, where am I going? Where am I trying to get to? Wherever that it is, it has to constantly be in your mind. You have to continuously be thinking of where you want to be, where you're trying to go. And then every decision that you make, you have to have your somewhere in mind. Where is that somewhere you want to go? Wherever that it is, every choice that you're making today, every choice that you make tomorrow, you better have that somewhere that you're going in mind. For some of you young people this morning, maybe some of the, even the older people who aren't married, your somewhere may be a healthy marriage one day. I, I want to have a healthy marriage someday. If that is your somewhere, if a healthy marriage is your somewhere, then the choices that you're making while you're dating have to be made with your somewhere in mind. Does that make sense? A healthy marriage has to be in mind when you're choosing who you're going to go out with. When you're choosing the type of qualities and attributes that you're looking for in a in a date. They have to be in mind. For those, I could even say this for those of you who are already married. If you want your marriage to be healthy, if that is your somewhere, that has to be in your, the forefront of your mind and with every choice that you make. When you get ready to respond in a conversation to your spouse, if you want a healthy marriage, that better be at the front of your mind before you open up and speak. 
I ain't getting no help in here, but that's all right. That's good preaching. <laughs> maybe for some of you today, you're somewhere maybe financial freedom. Oh, I want to be financially free. I want to be debt free. If that's your somewhere, then every choice that you're making right now, you better have that somewhere in mind. When you go out to eat this afternoon, or when you're about to get in your car to go out to eat this afternoon, I should say, if you truly want to be financially free and truly want to be debt free, that should guide that decision that you're about to make to drop 30 or 40 bucks. Amen? That somewhere that you're trying to get to has to be at the, fore, the forefront of your mind. It, it has to dictate and influence your choices right now. Why? Because everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. So, so how do we end up somewhere on purpose? You end up somewhere on purpose by having a vision and then moving in that direction. Everybody say vision. You have to visualize it and then you have to move in that direction. You have to see it. And then move towards it. Scott, why, why don't you read us some Bible this morning instead of just speaking to us? Okay, well, since you've asked for it, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Some translations say where there is no revelation or where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. That means they just run wild. It's just whatever happens, happens. There, there's no... There's no governing of their decision-making process, if you will. There's no standard. There's no, there's no thinking about being out of debt one day. There's no really thinking about a healthy marriage. Oh, it might be a wish or it might be a hope. But hope is not a strategy. I learned that from Deepwater Horizon. Hope is, hope is not a strategy. Well, you can't. Well, I hope I have a good wife one day. I hope I, I, I'm in financial. That is not a strategy. There has to be disciplines in your life. And so where there is no vision, people, they cast off restraint. There's, there's no plan. There's no, there's no disciplines. And this is true for anything, every area of life. Where, where there's no vision for your health, people tend to overeat and overwork and become overly stressed. Where, where there is no vision for financial freedom, people tend to make... Um, bad decisions and impulse purchases without thinking about the setbacks that this is going to cause on the road to financial freedom. Where there's no vision for marriage, you set yourself up for misery and failure. Where there's no vision to pursue God, you become lukewarm. That's, that's why, I was, you know, back to what I prayed a while ago and, and was saying before I took the offering... You come to church this morning, and I know it's hard. We, we get in a routine, we get in a rut. I, I get in those ruts. It, it just becomes just something that we do. And, and if we're just coming to church just because that's what we do, we're going to become lukewarm in our walk with God. We're going to become just, you know, just existing, really. Then there, There's no purpose in life. But when we come to God and we, we, or come to church and we make it a point, God, I, I pray that you would speak to me today. I don't care what the message is going to be. God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, renew me, refresh me. Let, me. let me have wind in my cells today. If you come with that in mind, I promise you, you're not going to grow lukewarm. God is going to speak to you every single time. You might say, man, the service was dry this morning. Pastor Scott, boy, he didn't bring it. Hey, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to do my part to bring it. Don't be passing the buck and, and putting responsibility on me. 
Thank you for that one hand clap. You, 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 you need to assume some responsibility there as well. So where there is no vision to pursue God, you become lukewarm. You have to have a vision. And a vision is really this. It's a plan to be somewhere on purpose. You see it? Oh, I, I want to be there. I want to go there. That's where I want to be. That's a, that's a vision. And when you see that vision, you're, you're, you're not going to cast off restraints and, and things aren't going to happen that are uh, you know, disastrous to ruin your plans. You're going to have a strategy and every choice that you make is going to be with, with where you're going in mind. So how do we get there? How do we get somewhere on purpose? Remember I taught you last week that every path has a destination. You remember that. Every path has a destination. And if, and if you reverse that, you, you can say it like this, that, that every destination has a path. In other words, every destination, there's a way to get there. I'm speaking to people this morning. I know that I, you, you may think right now, whatever that place is, you may think there's no way that I can get there. It's impossible. You may be throwing out reasons why, excuses why. Well, my, you know, my parents, they never had anything. This, I didn't have the proper school. I didn't have this. Listen, you've got you to throw those limits off. And you've you got to dream. You've got to have, have vision. Where, wherever that you want to get to, listen to me, there is a path that will take you there. Now, it may not be easy. It may not be quick. It may not be a smooth road. But everywhere that you want to get, every destination has a path. There's a path that will take you there. I, how many of you have ever hiked down to Cedar Falls up on Pettyjean? Raise your hand. Okay. I, and I should have looked this up, but I think it's, I think, and if I'm wrong, just, just let me feel like I'm right, okay? I believe it's about a mile hike. A mile down in and a, and a, and a mile out. Sounds good. We'll go with it, right? But, I mean, it is, it is when you get there, it's a beautiful waterfall and, and a beautiful pool of water where you're not supposed to swim, but everybody pretends like they don't see the sign at the top of the hill and they get in the water. Right? Y'all do that too, right? <laughs> or is it just my family? But, but it, it's, beautiful. it's a beautiful place to go. But it's, it's not easy to get there. You can't just, you know, you can't drive your car there. You've got you to climb down some, some hills, some back and forth, and and cross some, some creeks, and cross some rocks, and watch out for snakes, and various... I mean, it, my point is, it's, it's not easy to get to. But you can get there, if you want to. Another one, I'm just going to keep it with the hiking illustration. How many has ever been to, I think it's called Eden Falls Cave up at Lost Valley, uh, up around Ponca? Anybody? Oh, the hands are getting less. Now, that one's even, to me, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, that one's even better than the Cedar Falls hike. This one, for sure, is it's a mile in and a mile out. And, and especially when you get toward the end of the trail, uh, to get back to this waterfall, this waterfall is inside a cave. It's, it's amazing. But to, but to get there, like the final, like maybe 0.05 of a mile, it's not real far, but it's far enough to know that it's very difficult to get to. Some of the places you've got to like crawl through, and it's in the dark. You can't see. In my mind, I'm, I'm visualizing, okay, I'm going to put my hand down and a viper is going to, you know, that's, that's what I'm thinking because, you know, I think the best about situations. But, but, but you crawl through there, and if you're claustrophobic, I mean, it's going to be a challenge for you. But when you get to the back, you can stand up, and there's this, this, 
this, even, you can't really see it, you can hear it, it's dark, but it's, there's this big atrium where a waterfall is just coming through this cave, and it's, it's awesome, but it's hard to get there. But you can get there. I've been there. I know. Scott, why, why are you saying these things? Because I'm here to tell you that no matter where you want to be, no matter how hard that you think that it might be to get there, you can get there. There is a path that will lead there. But it's not going to be easy. Sometimes the places you want to go in life are not easy to get to. But you can't let that discourage you. That's why, that, you know, we, we take this verse out of context, but, but, but one of the verses you can lean on, if you really want to be somewhere and it's within God's will, uh, will as far as like, I want to be blessed financially, I want a good marriage, we know all of those things that, that God is in that. But then you can rely on the scripture where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can, I can go to all places because Christ is going to give me strength. Within my old power, this path is too difficult. This path is too rocky. This path is too, too hard. But Christ, me through Christ, or Christ in me is going to help me get there. There's a path that leads to a great marriage. But it's not easy. But there is a path that leads there. Yeah, I want to encourage the young people this morning. You, you, maybe you haven't seen a, a great marriage modeled in your home. But just because you haven't seen it modeled in your home doesn't mean that there's not a possibility to have a great marriage. A great marriage is possible, and there is a path that leads there. But it's not easy. It's not easy. But you can get there. The reason it's not easy is because it requires you to be unselfish. It requires you to put your spouse first. And no one wants to... No, we're selfish people by nature. I mean, it just comes natural. You look at a toddler. I mean, they're selfish. No one teaches them that. They don't want to share their toys. You try to take their sippy cup away and give it to someone else. I mean, they throw a fit because they're selfish. You don't teach that. But you have to teach, to teach people to be unselfish. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about marriage. He says this. Watch this. I heard this on the radio the other day. The purpose of marriage is to teach you to be unselfish. And then he said, the purpose of marriage is holiness, not happiness. The purpose of marriage is to teach you how to be holy. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be more holy. And one of the biggest ways that you can do that is through your marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It wasn't just a coincidence that God threw marriage together. I mean, there, he has a plan and a purpose for that. And one of the biggest ways that, that, that you can become more holy is through your marriage. To learn to treat your spouse the way that you want to be treated. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught that at his Sermon on the Mount. It, it, was, a, it was something that I learned back when, I don't even know if they still have royal rangers anymore, but I learned what was called the golden rule. Y'all remember the golden rule? I believe it's Matthew seven twelve. Now, we learned it in the King James Version. Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. That's, that's kind of confusing, but it simply means to treat people the way that you want to be treated. <laughs> Did I lose y'all? Y'all still with me? However you want someone to treat you, that's how you treat them. Not how they're treating you, that's how you treat them. That's, that's selfishness. 
To be unselfish is to treat them the way that you want them to treat you. Well, what if they don't treat me that way? That's it's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to treat them the way that you want to be treated. To become more holy in your marriage, you begin to put your spouse first. You put their needs over your needs. You learn to be unselfish. And I can promise you this. The more that you learn to be unselfish, the better your relationships will become. This is for everybody. Don't be, don't be thinking, man, I wish they would have been here. I wish my spouse would have been here today. They needed to hear this. Now, this, this is for all of us, myself included. If you want your marriage to be better, if you want your relationships to be better, learn to be more unselfish. My point is there's a path that leads to a great marriage, regardless of how hard that you may think it is. There's a path that leads to financial freedom. But how many realize it's not easy? If it were easy, not a single one of us would have debt. We'd all be financially prosperous if it was easy. But it's not easy. But there is a path that leads there. But that path requires learning to say no. Matter of fact, let's just practice. No. No. When that kid is, but mama, please, I want it. No. <laughs> well, what if they get mad at me? So? They're your child. They're not your friend. They're your child. You're, you're, the, you're the authoritarian in their life. Somebody needs to hear that. You, you need, to, you need, to, you need to, to, to train them, the Bible says, in the way that they should go. Train them. Train requires discipline. It requires saying no. So if you want financial freedom, there is a path that leads there, but it's hard because you've got to learn to say no to impulse purchases. I mean, when you see that new iPhone, when you see this, this new gadget, when you see that, I mean, you, you're going to want that. I mean, after all, everyone has one of those except you. But if you want financial freedom, you've got to learn to say no. It requires learning to be content with what you have. I, I knew this would be quiet. It's okay, it's okay. I'm teaching the Word to you this morning. If you want financial freedom, you've got to learn to be content with what you have. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about contentment. Because choices sometimes allows us to see other options, and we're not content with what we have because we always see another option, Right? But we have to learn to be content with what we have and not be envious and jealous over what other people have. And that's hard. That's hard. When you're driving a vehicle that makes noises like, and someone pulls up in a brand new car, it's, 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 it's hard to not be envious and jealous and full of hate and praying prayers like God wrecked their car. I, I, just, I mean, it's... Financial freedom, re listen to this. This is, this, is a, this is a hard one. Financial freedom requires learning to be generous. You want to be on the path to financial freedom, you better learn to start being generous. That's, that's a requirement. My point is that there is a way to get there, but it's not easy. The road's not easy. The road's rough. Wherever you want to get to in life, there is a path that leads there. But watch this. Let's bring Jesus into the picture. All paths that lead to blessing, all paths that lead to goodness, all paths that lead to joy and true happiness begin with Jesus. As a matter of fact, you, this is not on my notes, but, but Jesus is, is the trailhead, if you will. That's, that's where the path starts. That's the beginning. That's the starting point. And th this is where I want to spend the rest of my time and, and my focus and emphasis 
this morning is on Jesus being this trailhead, on, on Him being the, the starting place for, for blessings and goodness and joy and, 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 and true happiness. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 119, verse 35. The psalmist here says this. He says, make me walk along the, the what? The path. Everybody say path. The path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. The, the writer here is saying, God, help me follow your commands because that is where true happiness is found. That's, that's where joy is found. That is where blessings are found. That is where life is found. By following the paths of God's commands. That, that's where true happiness is found. That's where, that's where life is found. Jesus echoes this same verse, really, in John chapter 10, verse 10. It's obviously, it's different wording, but, it, but it's the same principle. Jesus says this, The thief comes only but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life... What kind of life? Have life to the full. Some translations say a rich and satisfying life. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. Don't, don't twist scripture. Rich doesn't, it's not just talking about money. Okay, rich is just, you know, just full of, just, just prospering. It says, I have come that you might have life, and some translations say more abundantly. I want you to have life and life to the full. Can I just say this before I go any further? That Jesus is for you. Jesus wants to see you succeed for the right reasons so that you can be a blessing to other people, not so you can hoard things up and store things for yourself, but God wants you to see, see you being blessed for the right reasons so that he can use you as a conduit to bless other people. God wants you to have a, an incredible life, but for the right reasons. Jesus is saying here, I have come that you might have life. Everybody say life. Jesus come so that we could have life. Now, I want to stop right here for just a moment and take, take a deeper look at this, at this word, life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus said that I have come that you might have life. Well, I already have life. That's what a lot of people think. See, a lot of people, the definition of life is the time between conception and death. That, that's what they think about life. Well, what is life? Well, it's the time between conception and death. That's, that's life. Some people think that life is just simply existing. Well, I have, I have life. I'm, a, I'm existing. Some people think that life is what happens to you. It's like an experience. It's, it's everything that happens to me, that is life. But you have to keep this in context to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said, the thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. Jesus is not saying, I have come so that you could have a time between conception and death. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come and do all the things that he did just so we could simply exist. Right? Jesus didn't even come and do all that he did on the cross and, and dying for sins. He didn't do all of that just so that we can experience things that happen to us, that we can just sit back and whatever happens, happens. That's not why he did what he did. So then there must be a different definition for life than maybe what we have thought of before. And this morning, I want to propose a new definition of life to you. As a matter of fact, I've actually, 
uh, taught you this before. It's been several years back in, I did a series called This Is Life. I want to say it was in 2015, 2014. But, but here's a new definition of life. I want to put this on the screen for him, please. Life is not what happens to you. Life is what flows from your heart. You know, and now we got to be careful. I, I want to retrain you this morning, or I want to help you begin to retrain yourself. Because we have the, the tendency of when we're talking to someone, we're, we'll say things like, man, how's life been treating you? Right? And I, I know we mean well. We don't really think about what we're saying. But when we say things like that, really, really what we're saying is that life is everything that happens to you. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Did Jesus just come, as I said while I go, keep it in the context of what Jesus said. Did Jesus just come so that we could just experience everything that happened to us? Or is there more to what Jesus was saying? The reason was that he came. I believe what Jesus was saying here is that I come so that you can have life flowing from you. That life is not going to be what's happening to you, but life is going to be what's flowing from your heart. You could also say, like, life is not what happens to you. Life is what you make it by what's flowing through your heart. And what flows from your heart, this is important, is determined by what you put and allow into your heart. I want to spend just a, a few moments here. The Scripture tells us this in Proverbs 4.23. Many of you know this. It says, guard your heart above all else. Why do you need to guard your heart? For it is the wellspring of of life. Some translations say it is the source of life. Some translations say out of it are the issues of life. Above all else, man, that's so important. What does that mean? It's not a trick question. It means the most important thing that you need to do is to guard your heart. Why? Because out of it is, are the issues of life. It, it is the source of life. It is the wellspring of life. What Solomon is saying here is that your heart is extremely valuable. Now, now let, me, let me preface this by saying I'm not talking about your physical heart. However, your physical heart is extremely valuable to your physical condition. I mean, you're, physically speaking, if your heart's not good, your body's not going to be good. Okay, but, but take that same analogy and, and apply it spiritually. He's... The writer here is talking about our spiritual heart, our real being, our, that we're, our core being, where our dreams and our passions and our desires live. The real me. Everybody said the real me. That's, that, that, that's it's my, my heart. He says, my heart is it, I'm to guard above everything else, for it is the wellspring of life. It's extremely valuable. Your heart is the source of everything that you do. Your heart overflows into your thoughts, into your words, and into your actions. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where did that come from? People say this all the time. <gasps> I'm so sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I can tell you where it came from. It came from your heart. Well, I, don't, I didn't mean to say that. It doesn't matter if you meant to say that or not. It come from your heart. It come from the only overflow of your heart. Just like, no, this is, this is, I'm stretching this, I know, but it's just like when something pops up on the computer. And uh, it's, a, it's a reminder, really, of, of what's been put in that computer. It's a reminder of some places that you visited. And you're like, how, I don't know how that got there. 
I do. Let's go look at the history. Yeah, that's because you've been visiting these places. <laughs> anyway, I, yeah. So if our heart is toxic, our spiritual heart is toxic, then everything else is toxic. And I'm just, I'm just right now, I'm just speaking. I feel like this is the Holy Spirit leading me. I, I just, you've heard the saying that, that hurt people, or you could say hurting people, hurt people. People, that, that's coming from their heart. The reason people are so negative all the time, the reason people are always so, you know, just putting other people down is because that person is hurting. Their heart is toxic. And when your heart is toxic, everything else is toxic. Your attitude, your perception. Everything is toxic when your heart is toxic. That's why the Bible commands us. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, Pastor Brad, if you get time, you should guard your heart. It's, it's a command. Guard your heart above everything else because it is a wellspring of life. What the Bible is saying here is, is love the Lord with all of your heart. How do we do that? By putting Him at the center of everything that we do. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do it? See, we, we, we can quote that. We can sing it. Leakin Brewster can sing it. We, we can sing these songs. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I think that's Lincoln Brewster. Now, have, now I'm questioning myself, but whoever sings it. We can, we can say those things, but are we living that? Is God truly at the center of everything that we do? That's how we make sure that we're putting the right stuff in our heart. That's how we make sure that we're allowing the right things in our heart, is to make sure that God is the first in everything. The center of everything. The scripture here is saying, when it says, guard your heart, it's saying, put God first. And when you put God first, and when you put God at the center, and you begin to trust Him in every area of your life, He begins to direct your paths. Remember what we learned in week number one? Just say yes, please make me feel better about myself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He would do what? He would direct your paths. And remember, every choice that we make puts us on a path. And we're talking about living life to the full here, the, the life that Jesus came to give. The, the Lord is saying, you got, I've got to be first. That means you've got to crucify the flesh, as Paul said, and live, but the life that you've got to live is the life that, that you're living through Christ. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus treat my spouse? How would Jesus respond to this, this text? How would Jesus respond to this email? How would Jesus respond to this guy that just pulled out in front of me when I was doing 60 and he pulls out and goes 15? How would Jesus respond? Putting God first, God at the center. He's going to direct your paths. And when you do that, now your life becomes about Him. Purpose-driven. About living for purpose. Not my purpose, but for His purpose. Now your marriage becomes about Him. You know, this is, this is really elementary teaching, but, but most people completely overlook this. They don't connect God with, with marriage, the purpose of marriage. 
and it, can I just say this, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly, but, but that's why your marriage is a mess right now. God has to be at the beginning of your marriage. God has to be at the first of your marriage. As a matter of fact, our marriage is, a, is a, supposed to be a picture of God's love for us. God's relationship with us. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's self-control. There's patience. It produces holiness. It's hard, it's hard to become more holy living by yourself. And, and I, when I say that, I'm just saying, I mean isolating yourself. Because yourself, you, you, you have, there's, there's, there's no one that's, um, that you need to be patient with. Does that make sense? It's just, it's just you and your own little world. You never see anybody. But when you get outside and you begin to have relationships with people, you begin to come in contact with people, whether it's at work or whatever, when you begin to engage with people, that's where patience is tested. That's where self-control is tested. That's where gentleness and kindness, all of these things is, is tested. But when you put God first, now your relationships become about Him. Now, when you put God first, now the stewardship of your money becomes about Him. Oh, you're like, oh, I'm glad this is at the end because I know he's about to quit. But, but can I just say this? You have to put God first in your money as well and steward it like you know that it's not yours, that it's his. And when you become more aware that, okay, this is not my money, John, this is God's money. How, what would God want me to do with this? God would want me to be a blessing to other people. God would want me to be generous. And I'm here to tell you, when you begin to put God first in the area of your finances, you make room for God to come in and, and bless your life in that area. And as your life becomes more and more about Him, you begin to have vision. You begin to have plans to be somewhere on purpose. Everybody say somewhere on purpose. This morning in closing, I want you to, I want you to consider this, this question. I've been asking you this question every message of this series and the question is this what is what is God speaking to you today what what is God speaking to you in this message not what is God speaking to you I'm just I'm just a vessel I'm just trying to be a conduit to let what I feel God is speaking to me flow flow into my life and into your life so what is God speaking to you through this message what what is he saying what changes do you feel like that God is asking you to make what areas of your life do you feel like that you need to make room for, for, for God? More room for God. And when you find out what those, those answers are, what is God speaking to me? What changes do I need to make? What areas do I need to open up more room for God? Then it's your responsibility to do something with that. At this point, my responsibility is finished. Now, as your pastor, I'm still going to pray be praying for you but but my responsibility is over at this point the, the ball's in your court the word has been sown the seed has been sown and, and the harvest that it produces is going to be dependent upon the condition of your soil the condition of your heart what are you going to do with it are you going to walk out of here this morning and say man that was a good message that was great i mean that's okay if there if there is more behind that are you going to walk out here this morning and say, you know what? And God spoke to me. God spoke to me today. And uh, I've just been living my life just wildly and freely. I'm not saying that you're out baking, you know, being wild and 
not being moral. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you just, there, there's no discipline in your life. There's, there's no strategy to get somewhere on purpose. You're just living life. Whatever happens, happens. That's your motto, if you will. But life is more than that. Jesus said, I've come that you might experience life and life to the full. I have a plan for you to be somewhere on purpose. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. I have an ending that, that results in good things, but, but you've got to get on that path. You may be here this morning and say, well, I've never had this or I've never had that. Okay, now bury that never right there. Stop saying never. Maybe you have never had that before. Maybe you've never had a good marriage. Maybe you've never been uh, prosperous. Maybe you've never had good relationships. But there's a future in front of you. And that future in front of you, God has plans for you and He'll come along beside you if you will submit to His plan and His will for your life. He will direct you. And it's almost like, you're, I, I feel like this is what Peter experienced when he stepped out of the boat. He didn't really know what to experience, but he just, he just felt someone pushing him in the back saying, just go. Just go. I, I feel like that that's, that's what my life is sometimes. I feel like that that's what God is going to do in your life. You don't, you don't know your next step, but, but, but God is just saying, just, just go. Just trust me. Trust me. This is the way. Walk this way. Okay, you've been walking this way long enough. Now, now I want you to take a right. Well, God, that's weird. We've been going left for a long time. I know, but trust me. We're going to go right today. Keep going straight. Are you, are you getting this picture today? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let God direct you. And He will take you somewhere on purpose. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I am extremely grateful for the privilege that I've had to teach your people your principles today. God, these, these things that I've said today did not come from um, just conjured up knowledge or conjured up ideas that I wanted to promote. God, I believe that these things that I've taught today, Lord, have been inspired by you. That throughout this week as I was preparing, and even last week as I was preparing, God, that, that I could visualize people that were sitting in these chairs exactly where they're sitting today. And that it was as though that you were moving my pen and you were moving the keys on the keyboard to, to type out the message for these people. And now, Lord, as, as your word has gone forth, I pray now that the Holy Spirit would do his work in every heart that is represented today in every family, in every home, in every marriage, in every relationship, the Holy Spirit works right now. And God, I pray for anyone right now who may be having doubts, anyone right now, God, who may be throwing up the, the excuse of I've never, I've never, I've never. God, I pray that those thoughts, those, those words, those phrases that are coming from the enemy are canceled right now in the name of Jesus. And that the words that they hear is that you are for them, God. That you have great plans for them. That you want to see them succeed and, and be prosperous for the right reasons. So that more people can come to Christ and more people will hear the gospel. Father, I pray that people would break out of their shells today. God, for those who've been lacking confidence, God, to have win. Just to fill their cells today and to be confident that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. I pray, God, that you would give them the power to say no to the things that's been setting them back and say yes to the things that will propel them forward. God, for those who've gotten dry and stagnant, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that they would have a, have a recharge of the Holy Spirit, 
that you would begin to speak to their lives. They would begin to hear your voice again. They would begin to dream again. Lord, they would begin to have visions. They begin to have a plan to be somewhere on purpose. That their life would not just be simply existing and just going through the motions, God, but they would realize that they have purpose in life. And every day when they wake up and they roll out of bed and they lace up their shoes, that they would have the confidence to go out and, and change the world that day, whether it's just a small conversation, where it's just an encouraging word to a friend, whatever that it may be, God, that they would be a world changer that day and bring people to Christ. God, we know our time on this earth is running out. We know, as, as, as James says, that life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. Lord, let every day of our life, God, be an opportunity that we take advantage of to, to spread the love of Jesus and to promote the kingdom of God. I love you, Lord. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. And I pray that, Lord, anyone today who needs to make a step to, to step closer to you, anyone today, Lord, who needs to receive you, anyone today who needs to repent of the way that they've been living, that they do so, Lord, before they leave this service and they acknowledge you as the Lord and Savior of their life. And I ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.